you turn with me to Romans chapter 8. As I said last week, as we moved into this chapter, this is probably, in my opinion, one of the most Bible. It's all about assurance. Assurance and adoption. We have been adopted into the family of God. Um, I don't know of any greater truth that can come across than that. But let's look in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. Now next week, uh, Pastor Matthew will be preaching and he'll continue through uh, chapter 8. In fact, we've got at least another two or three sermons, I think, through chapter 8. But looking forward to his insight as well into all of this. And know that uh, God's word is true. Even um, in the most difficult times of your life. In fact, these are some of the most comforting words. I've challenged myself to memorize this whole chapter. And so it's been a great encouragement to me and I know it will be to you. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Why? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now that's a frightening verse, really, if you think about this. Well, let's continue on. Verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, according to this passage, beginning in verse 5, the Bible tells us and Paul instructs us that there are two divisions among men, those who live according to the flesh and those who live according to the spirit. And what we have seen is uh, through Romans chapter 1 through chapter 7, and particularly chapter 7, where Paul talks about that struggle, that that which he wants to do, he does not do, and that which he does not want to do, he does and he cries out, who can deliver me? And that's a cry that we all face every day. We all make decisions. We all sometimes make good decisions. Sometimes we make bad decisions. But I'm thankful today that even when we make bad decisions, God does not change his character, nor does he change his love toward us, nor does he change any aspect of our relationship with him. But there are two divisions. 
Every day we have to decide which, which one we will follow. In fact, it's probably many times a day. You see, you can, you, can, you can make a decision that you think is a good one, but you know what? It ends up turning out a bad one. You ever done that? And when those things happen, we have to look and see how did it happen? Why did it happen? What do we need to do from here? But there are two divisions among men. Then there are two dispositions among men. In verse 5, it talks about those um, that have a fleshly mindset. Notice what it says. They set their minds. Now, the idea of that is, is that it's, uh, well, I guess the best way to explain it today is that uh, we, it's like being set in concrete. We set our mind to, on this particular direction and then we go with it. The fleshly mindset. Someone said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, where he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, someone has said about that living sacrifice, the only problem with the living sacrifice is that it wants to keep crawling off of the altar. And that happens, doesn't it? We commit, we dedicate, we, we walk in faith, we walk in, in obedience, and then boom, the flesh flares up. I found something this week that was kind of fascinating to me. You take the word flesh, take the H off of it, spelled backwards is self. I know, you know, you got these, you know what you get when you, when you, um, when you play a country music song backwards? You get your wife back, get your dog back, get your guns back, you know, all that stuff. But the fleshly mindset is a struggle, and as long as we are in this body, we will struggle. But we have the power of the Spirit of Christ, the spiritual mindset, Galatians 5 and verse 25. Notice what this verse is. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Well, we live in the Spirit because the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God, and I think next week Matthew's going to talk about how the Spirit of God is our earnest, our down payment. It is given to us. And without the Spirit of Christ, we're not saved. So the spiritual mindset, Galatians chapter 5. There are two divisions, two dispositions. Then there are two destinies among men. We've, for the past several weeks and maybe a couple, three months in our staff meeting, we've been going through the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And we've noticed that there's a repeated pattern in, in that section of Scripture. Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. And then he always draws a comparison. It's always about two. There are two paths, two ways. And so here we see that there are two destinies among men. 
We see the destiny of the carnally minded in verse 7. Verse 7 tells us that because the carnal mind is enmity against God. In other words, an enemy of God. And we we have a tendency to forget that, that when we when our fleshly mind and and our selfish desires and, and all that stuff are headed in, in the direction that we are allowing it to go, we forget that literally that's that's letting our minds be an enemy against God and his way. The carnal mind is is characterized by hostility toward God. Notice what it says in verse seven. It's an, it's the carnal mind is enmity. Or it is a hostility toward God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. What, what does the carnal mind do? It, it honors the maid above the maker. It serves self before others. And it loves self rather than loving God. You say, well, Brother Ken, my heart is to love God. Yeah, so is mine. But I want to tell you, I fail just like you do. The flesh is something that we battle continually. What are some biblical examples? Think about Abraham marrying Hagar. What had God promised Abraham? He promised him a seed, right? Now, I know that that was um, quite a promise God made, but he promised him a seed. But they got a little anxious, and particularly his wife, Sarah, they got a little anxious. And, and Sarah said, well, go into my handmaiden, Hagar. And have a child by her for me. And I want to tell you, that's if you search out history enough, you'll see that that decision was not a good one. Because that's why we have all the problems over in the Middle East right now. We see Lot choosing Sodom. Abraham and Lot, and they were there and uh, God had blessed them and they had uh, their... They had many animals, and it was too much for the area that they were together, so they had to split. And Abraham gave his nephew Lot, said, you decide which way you want to go. And, and Lot says, I want to go down into the Fertile Valley. But what he did, didn't know that in the Fertile Valley, as nice as it looked, there was evil in the Fertile Valley. A place called Sodom and Gomorrah. Then we see Moses smiting the Egyptian slave, or the, uh, the Egyptian, because the Israelites were there in slavery. And Moses, God had chosen him to be the deliverer. But like so many of us at times, we jump ahead. And instead of taking the blessing that God has given us sometimes and, and watching and waiting for him to work, we sometimes say, okay, God, I got this. We'll move on. Moses saw that the Egyptian taskmaster was beating one of his Hebrew brothers and he went over and he killed him. Joshua making a deal with the Gibeonites. Joshua, one of the greatest leaders in, in the Bible. But he made a bad decision when he made a deal with the Gibeonites because they tricked him and he fell for it. Then we see Jonah. How many of us can identify with Jonah? Fleeing to Tarshish. Well, I know what God wants me to do, but I'm going to go somewhere else. The thing that Jonah didn't remember and the thing that sometimes we don't remember is that 
It doesn't matter where we go, God is already there. And the problem is, when we try to run or we try to take things in our own hands, we forget that, um, or we try to run away from God, that there's no way to do that. And then we see uh, Peter there that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. He draws his sword and he cuts off the ear of Malchus, the temple guard. We all are, are kind of like uh, Peter a lot. But look in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Notice what it says. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And then we see 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. The carnal mind here. It says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The carnal mind is characterized uh, by death. Look in chapter 8 and verse 6. Look at what verse 6 says. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The spiritual mind is characterized by peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we follow the Spirit and the direction of the Spirit and walk in truth, then we don't have to worry about things. But I don't know about you, but I have through the years and, uh, and, and at times have, have lost a lot of sleep because I had made some type of uh, carnal decision, some fleshly decision instead of walking in the Spirit. You know, when you walk in the Spirit, you have peace. And you, can, you, can, you can lie down and go right to sleep and wake up with a smile on your face. In Psalm chapter 4 and verse 8 gives us a, an idea about this idea that the spiritual mind is characterized by peace. And then in John chapter 14 and verse 28, but Psalm 4 and verse 8 says, I will lie down, it says, in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I have to remind myself of this verse a lot. It's only through him that we find complete peace. Then in John chapter 14 and verse 27, what does Jesus say? The scripture is very clear. It asks to us, it says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So when we are afraid and we're troubled over some issue that we're facing, we need to understand that if we will repent and turn to the Lord, that he will give us that assurance. He has adopted us into his family. So the spiritual mind is characterized by peace. The spiritual mind is characterized by life. Notice what verse 6 says. It says that the spiritual mind is life and peace. John 17 and verse 3 is a verse that, that is so clear that helps us to understand it says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's in John chapter 10 and verse 10. But in John chapter 17 and verse 3, it says, the thief does not come except to steal. And this is the eternal life that, may, that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent.
So they're the destiny of the spiritually minded. The spiritual mind is characterized by peace and characterized by life. That's what God has for us. Then we see that there, as well, there are two dominions. The dominion of the flesh is found in chapter 8 and verse 8. It says, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I don't know about you, but every day I want to please God. But do I please him every day? Probably not. Because the flesh is very strong. And these dominions, these two, these two dominions that are so, that we struggle with con uh, constantly. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. Notice this, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. And even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And that is absolutely true. Then we see the dominion of the Spirit, verses 9 through 11. What about this dominion? What does the Holy Spirit give us? The Holy Spirit inhabits every believer, verse 9. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, you're just not saved. The Holy Spirit is what quickens our dead life to life, changes us, creates in us a new heart, creates in us and makes us a new creature in Christ. The Holy Spirit inhabits every believer. The Holy Spirit invigorates every believer. Verse 10 says, and, and if Christ is in you, the body is, is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. In other words, we, can't, we cannot blame or excuse anything but ourselves if we don't have this joy of being invigorated by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are three contrasts. The body is contrasted with the soul, the death is contrasted with life, and sin is contrasted with righteousness. That's what we see here. And it's, it's, it's this constant struggle. The Holy Spirit ensures every believer. In verse 11, it tells us, but if... But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That gives us assurance and ensures us of everything that God has for us. Everything. And we make the choice to whether we will follow that or whether we allow the flesh to take over. There are three titles that are given to the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, he's called the spirit of God. In verse 10, he's called the Spirit of Christ. In verse 11, he's called the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. And those titles all are there to let us know who He is and what He has done. He is the third person of the triune Godhead. He is co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent with God the Father and God the Son. They are three in one. He is omniscient. He's omnipresent. And he is everywhere at all times in the totality of his being. And he is all-knowing and all-powerful. The Holy Spirit of God will direct us. But you and I, here's the problem. The Bible warns us and tell us, tells us, don't quench the Spirit. So if we're warned not to quench it, that means that there's a possibility that we can quench the Spirit, right? 
And we know that we can and we know that sometimes that we do. And when we do, we always end up in trouble. Because as a believer, we cannot make an excuse. Because every time we step off of that path of obedience, the Holy Spirit of God spotlights those areas in our lives. And we don't like spotlights. You know, back in the day before, I, I call it my BC days, before Christ, I like to frequent, I used to like to frequent certain places. And uh, I've never been in one of those places where they had a lot of lights on. In fact, when you walk in, when you walk in to one of these joints, you have to stand there for a minute, let your eyes kind of assimilate and get, you know, get used to the darkness. Why? Well, the scripture tells us, because why? Why do men love darkness rather than light? Because their deeds are evil. And if we follow the flesh and we follow our carnality and we follow those things, yes, those things are, will hurt us. But three titles are given to the Holy Spirit that will direct us. He's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, and the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit lives within us. And then there are three principles about the Holy Spirit that are absolutely true that we need to learn. And I'll tell you, we need to look at every day. Every day. The Holy Spirit is the believer's help. Look in verses 8 and 9. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So the Holy Spirit is the believer's help. I'm glad to know. You know, in fact, Jesus said in John chapter 14, he says, I go, but I will not leave you as an orphan, I will send another. There are two words in the Greek language for the word another. And you can say it like this, another of the same kind or another of a different kind. Now, if I say to Pastor Matthew, Pastor Matthew, I want another pen just like this pen. Now, that's one way to use the word another. I want another one just like this one. Or I could say, Matthew, I need another pen. This one's quit. I don't care what kind it is. Just get me another pen. And when Jesus says to his disciples, I will not leave you like an orphan, there he talks about, I will send a comforter to you. And that word comforter is the word parakaleo. Para is the prefix that where we get our word parallel. It means running side by side. And kaleo is the word called. It's the one who is called alongside of us. And that's the Spirit of God. But He is a true friend and a true, and, 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 and expresses Himself just as God the Father and God the Son, that He will never force Himself upon us, but He's always there for us to call upon and to listen to. So the Holy Spirit is our help. He's there to help us, to keep us from getting ourselves in a mess. Then the Holy Spirit is the believer's holiness. Verse 5 says, 
live according to the Spirit. That's the only way that we can have any holiness or any righteousness is to have the Spirit of God to direct us and the righteousness of Christ covering us. And then finally, the Holy Spirit is the believer's hope. Thank God for hope. Where would we be without hope? Hope is everything that every one of us has ever, ever wanted or desired. With hope, you can lie down at night and sleep well. With hope, uh, you can face tomorrow. With hope, you don't have to worry about what's going on and what's happening all around you. With hope, you can always see that God's hand is, is there to direct us. With hope, there's, there is a, there's, a constant, there's a constant presence of God in, your, in our lives. And with hope, we can find a direction even in the midst of trouble and heartache. Because we know, we know, we know that the Spirit of God will direct us if we will but turn to Him. So, two dominions, two destinies, two divisions. All of those things that we have, we, we, you and I have the opportunity to choose which one we will follow. I don't know about you, but I want to follow what the Lord says, and even when I do fail, I know that there's a path back to the right path. And I want to say to you today, I don't know where you've been or what you've done or how you did it or why you did it. There's a path back for you. And today, if you're here and you don't know Christ and you've been living your life without Christ, there's a path of hope for you today. It's through Jesus Christ. And so today I hope and pray that without hesitation or delay, that you right now as the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart, that you would open your heart and say yes to Jesus. He is the only hope that we have. And as our praise band makes their way for our final song, I just want to encourage you today. That no matter where your walk has been, no matter how dark the issues have troubled you, how troubled you may be, there is a path, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, bringing to your mind and to your, to your heart the Word of God, which will, by the power of the Spirit of God, quicken your life in a direction that God can lead. So today, if you've never trusted Christ, we're going to pray together. And as I pray, you make this prayer your own. And simple as this. Bow with me if you would, please. Lord, I realize today that um, my heart's troubled. I realize today, Lord, that uh, things are not what they should be. But I also realize that I can have assurance and I can be adopted into your family. And my life, Lord, can, no matter where it's been or what it's done, can be changed and can be oh, feet put in the right direction and walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. So I pray, Lord, right now that you would come into my heart and to my life, forgive me of my sin 
to be my Lord and Savior. And from this day forward, I want to live for you. Now, if that was your prayer, it's not the words that are important. It's the intent of the heart. As we sing this closing song, I want you to come. And by your coming, you're saying that I've trusted Christ as my Savior. And I want to live for Him. I want the Spirit of God to direct my thoughts, my actions, and everything about me. But maybe you're here today as well struggling with other issues. Pastor Matthew will be down front. I will be down here. There will be others if you need to pray. You let God speak to your heart today and respond accordingly. And we thank you in Jesus' name.